calling all baby faces and heels alike. Welcome to the Working Fans Podcast, your place for all things comedy, combat, and wrestling. Reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Working Fans Podcast. Or you can email us at workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. If you're an audio listener, we encourage you to check out our YouTube. Wherever you listen, please make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Working Fans Podcast. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Combat Cast with the man called Dave Chevaruni. We're back. <laughs> I laugh a little bit at my old man abilities to like function on a just a basic laptop and a soundboard, but uh, <laughs> we're getting there. Chevy, I was going to ask you, I don't know if we've officially talked about what we got coming up yet. I think uh, we know about next week's episode, right? So we can maybe preview that. First. We're going to be doing the, a five through one on greatest heavyweight boxing matches of all time. That'll be uh, on the 27th. And then on December 4th, we're going to preview UFC Fight Night Font versus Aldo, which that's going to be a great fight. Oh, yeah. December 11th, we're going to preview the UFC 269 Oliveira versus Poirier. That card's Ooh. going to be super, super great. And then on 12-18, we're going to preview UFC Fight Night Derek Lewis, the Black Beast versus Dukakis. That's Chris, not Kyle. Oh. The okay. heavyweight Dukakis, yep. Interesting. What's Chris Dukakis in the UFC? Is he the one? He's got some. He has couple... some knockouts. Yeah. Yeah. Not as many as the Black Beast. So. No, this is a big step for him then. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't have that many fights, I don't think, but he's done well. So. Right. He's got a few bonuses and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Big opportunity, man. Just for the yeah. main value alone. That's right. Big time. Yeah. And it's kind of like Black Beast to me. He's like one of those guys, if I'm a heavyweight and I got potential. Like, he's a great fight because, yeah, oh, yeah, you can get hit and get killed, but, like, he's got that name ability, and, like, the Beast to me is always that guy who, like, you watch him fight and you know he has that power, but you really, he sees so many holes in his game. If you just fight smart, you should beat him. I I think that's what most people are thinking. Yeah, but they don't end up doing it. and It's It's hard to do it. I want to pull up some stuff here real quick. Hard to do yeah. it for, for five-minute rounds, you know, when you're getting tired. Right, you're getting tired, and yeah, you just got to be so alert. And that's the one thing about the heavyweight division, I guess, that keeps it open, too. The skill level, other than the very tippy top, it's still, I don't want to, it's evolving, but it's like the least evolving, like, you know, division. And I think right. somebody brought this up before, maybe Brandon Schwab or someone, they talk about that a lot of this is because, Great athletic people at that size 
10 to do like pro football or something. And even you still have some to go to boxing. So mixed martial arts for athletic heavyweights is not necessarily like, you know, the cream of the crop for money, unless you're, you know, again, the tippy top. Right. They're, they're playing sports where they make money. Exactly. Right. So. Whereas, of course, there's so many people who weigh around 155 or 170 and are great athletes. And it's also a very common weight. And thus, you know, the skill. If you're not boxing or playing tennis or baseball at that weight. You're probably a fighter if you're a professional athlete. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, so you mentioned one of the cards coming up there, Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. And on that note, whenever you mention Dustin Poirier now, as great a fighter as he is, and I love me some Dustin Poirier, and I hope he gets that belt because he's just one of those true grit and good guys in the sport. No no offense to Charles. It's just that Dustin, is he's a grinder. I've watched this guy. He's a true epitome of like guys who can come back from a loss and get back in there and win. And that's one of the things like I really fell in love with this guy. Like first fight, I actually sidebar. The first fight I ever fell like in love with Dustin Poirier. Like, I watched him against Max Holloway at featherweight, a young Max Holloway. I think Max is making his debut. You can look that up if you want. I'm pretty I'm sure. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, and Dustin, uh, I want to say tapped him out like with an arm triangle or something. And it was just so crazy, ironic, because how successful both those guys have become. But Dustin, you know, he fought at featherweight. He had a tough loss to Connor at that weight class. And, you know, he ends up going to lightweight and he's doing good. And he got caught by Michael Johnson at one point. And I remember it was a brutal knockout. And I remember I watched that and I thought, ah, oh, man, this guy, I really like him. But like, this is probably where he's at. He's going to be one of those. Middle- but no, it's not like he just keeps grinding. He gets better. And then he wins some fights that are super competitive. But if you look at it, you're like, oh, OK, you know, that was competitive. But. It's like, yeah, like Eddie Alvarez was a good fighter, but Eddie Alvarez was starting to go on the decline on that level a little bit. And it's like, okay, so Dustin's good enough for him, but he couldn't beat this guy. But no, he does. He just keeps getting better, and he's one of those guys you can never count out and uh, just a true grip performer. I guess on that note, though, as I give you all that, I give you all that just to say I always think of Connor now. (laughs) You know? Like, their feud is just – they're so entwined with each other. And – that leads me to what I want to talk to you about today. Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen, taking barbs at each other. And I was telling you before we started today, like, could could Chael talk himself into this fight? Like, I don't know his contractual status of Bellator, right? But could Chael, or whatever Chael's doing, could he talk himself in this fight? To me, it's like, on one hand, he could because he's a great talker, and Conor's a great talker. He's so, the best. Yeah, so just the Chael's barbs. The yeah, the barbs and the promo, like, everything would be so excellent this is like pro wrestling 101 like hype shit like they know it better than anybody these two and chael's an older guy and you know he probably doesn't have the speed or anything and i don't know what he's been doing and so like on that hand i I know where you're going so you know on the other hand he's also a very good wrestler and he's considerably bigger than connor he's fought most of his career at light heavyweight and middleweight and connor's fought at max welterweight and he's a smaller welterweight Mm -hmm. so on one hand i think okay yeah ufc would not want anything to do with this fight because it's such a dangerous fight in that regard you don't want connor losing to this old guy who wasn't even in the UFC who's failed the SADA test before. You know, so I don't know how he would even do now. But I don't know. What did you think about this? And I, I don't I don't think it's gonna go anywhere, but I'm just curious what you thought. As far as the battles that Connor has on Twitter, he picked the wrong person to battle with for sure, because Chell's the best talker in the game. 
I agree with you. I don't think this fight would ever happen. There's there's too many negatives, like you were saying, for Connor as far as Chael's size and his wrestling ability. Right. And he has a name, but not not enough. I don't think he's not relevant enough, like in the you know rankings, obviously, because he's retired, but. Connor would yeah, the one plus I would say is Connor could say if he knocked out Chael, he knocked out a heavyweight because you know Chael made it to the semifinals in that Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix where he lost to Fedor. So I don't think it'll happen, but I do love seeing Connor getting ass whooping on Twitter. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, buddy. I think that um, yeah, I think it's I guess what I found intriguing as far as like. You know, we're seeing so many crazy, like, carny kind of fights with the Paul brothers and stuff like that. That this was one of the few that, like, I was actually intrigued because it was just an older, bigger guy against a more athletic, smaller guy, but both seemed to be kind of on the downcline. So it was like almost an interesting matchup. But I think, I think at the end of the day, there's just too much, like, the next fight Connor has could be his last. Like, if he gets beat up badly again, He's possibly going to be on his way out. So, or at least very devalued. So I think if you're the UFC, you're probably pretty strategic about the fight you want to take place. And I didn't, we didn't talk about this off air, but I guess I'll throw this at you too. What fight do you think makes the most sense next for Connor? Is it Michael Chandler? No, I, him and Nate, I think should fight. Both of them are kind of at that same spot where they're not going to win any fights, you know, in the top, of the division, Connor needs to get back into form if he's ever gonna right. get back up there. Nate, I don't see him getting back up to that level. UFC wants to make as much money off Nate Diaz before he jumps out of the UFC to go fight a Paul brother, which I assume that's what he's gonna do. So that's what I think will probably happen. That's probably what should happen for both guys' career and for the UFC. It makes the most sense. I'm gonna I'm, uh, Connor's gonna. He just likes to stay relevant. So every, anytime there's a fight, you know, he could be calling out someone. He'll be calling out Misha Tate when she wins this weekend or something. <laughs> you know? Who knows? I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here, and I'll tell you why. For whatever reason, Dana White is, you know, obviously the mixed martial arts, you know, and he's gotten along with people like Vince McMahon and Tony Khan, but he's very much adamant. You know, they always try to stay away from that pro wrestling stuff unless you're a a guy that can sell fights like Connor or something, right? They always, you know, say this is real as it, that used to be the slogan, as real as it gets, right? You'll see. Mm-hmm. But one thing about pro wrestling, and I think Dana subscribes to this, if you are like on one last fight left, he loves to send you out with a loss. He doesn't like you winning and going on top and going to his other promotion. And I don't know why companies are like this they look at one championship like fighting too like what did they do with a lot of ufc guys they try to give them matchmaking that isn't really favorable to them when they come in so it's like oh look these guys get beat up by our guys so for that reason i could be wrong i'm with you but unless nate is going to sign for a few more fights i think they're going to send him packing and they're going to try to give him a guy i don't know who but maybe some wrestler or somebody to try to devalue nate diaz that being said really not going to devalue Nate Diaz. I think Nate Diaz has got his hardcore fans, and he will end up boxing one of those Paul brothers and probably do very well. I think I think he'll do very well also. One other thing I want to talk about before we talk a little bit about last week, there was another fight 
before we went on air, I was looking at that might potentially be in the works. It was Kat Zugano talking to Cyborg, and she did the old Habib thing where I saw send me location. And Cyborg basically put up some area. I think one of the future Bellator fights area coming up, like California. And I think she tagged Scott Coker in it as well. We were talking about the potential records. Like Kat has a victory over Amanda Nunes. She dove into a flying armbar and got caught by Rousey. But then her next two fights, like she lost, were like decisions, including the Caitlin Vera, a split decision. She's fighting Misha Tate this weekend. Then she went on to win a fight and she got a weird TKO eye injury where Megan. Yeah, the toe caught her in the eye. So it's such a fluke thing. And since then, Kat's gone on the Bellator. She's one or two fights. And I think she's about as interesting as a matchup there is out there, Bellator, or really anywhere that's not Amanda Nunes at the UFC. Like, I think mm-hmm. Kat Sagano is probably the most interesting. And I'm not counting Kayla Harrison because I think Kayla, you know, she's a bigger girl and she's not in that weight class or in that company yet. But that's potentially something. So not counting Kayla Harrison. I think Kat Sagano is like, the fight to make. Yeah, her, her wrestling is very good. I just don't know if her striking is good enough to hang with Cyborg. But she did well against Amanda Nunes. That was a, a different Amanda Nunes who used to get tired after the first two rounds. Sure. And also, Kat was on Rogan years ago and talked about how she got brain damage from that fight against Amanda Nunes. So. Yeah. I don't know if she's fully recovered at this point. I know she was taking long drives to special clinics or whatever to do what she could to, for, to treat it. But she has done very well since she went to Bellator. I don't know the girls that she's fighting, so I don't know what kind of caliber they are. They're not cyborg level. As That's the best matchup, though, because who else is, are they going to fight? No, I think it's intriguing, and it's one of the few women's fights at featherweight that I'd be actually interested in seeing because there is such mismatches at featherweight. You know, it seems to be like in the UFC, it's Amanda Nunes and everyone else, and in every you know Bellator, it's Cyborg and everyone else. So there's right. very few marquee matchups unless there's a potential Kayla Harrison signing another promotion. And I gotta think, I'll ask you this too. I think Kayla Harrison, by the way. Most likely to go to Bellator? Yeah, I think so, too. So her and Amanda are teammates. Like, they're friends. Right. So I don't see them really wanting to fight each other. Amanda and Nina were at Kayla's last fight. Like, they're friends. So I think it's harder to get that deal done to get them to fight each other unless Amanda's ready to leave and retire, which, you know, we've heard talks of it before previously, but... I mean, nothing seems to come from it. Why not just keep collecting checks and rubies Mm -hmm. on those belts, you know? And Dana doesn't seem very interested in Kayla when her name is brought up, too. That's a promotion thing. He's interested. I'm sure he's interested, but I don't know if he's interested at the cost because Kayla's made some decent money for herself winning these tournaments and dominating at the PFL. So, and, you know, it's not like the women's featherweight division is the glamour division or anything, too. It's not going to make them a ton of money. So they I don't, don't even know. have rankings. Right. So, and she's going to have to fight a featherweight. So I I do think it's a promotional tactic, but I do wonder if they're going to be able to come terms at this point. Like, I think she's almost better off going to Bellator, beating Cyborg, continuing to build that name up the best she can. And then maybe there's a super fight they can do down the road. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he is interested. I just wonder, you know, I just see this potentially, like, 
I, I think she's going to want more money than what he's interested in paying. That's my guess. I think if you see Amanda Nunes lose, then you'll see Kayla come to the UFC. If not, then I think Kayla probably waits until Amanda retires. Or maybe Amanda decides she doesn't want to go back and forth between weight classes and she's just going to fight at Bantamweight. I don't really see them fighting. I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility because they're right. training partners or anything. I just don't see them fighting. Neither one seems super interested in it, which both women like love legacy. Like That's why they're really fighting. That would make the most sense for legacy, but they're not talking about it, so... I don't see it happening. Now, before we get into this coming card, you know, let's talk a little bit about this past Saturday's card. Just looking at some main card fights here. I didn't get to see every fight on this card. Like, I missed Song Ladong and Julio Arce. Looking at that. And that looks like that was a TKO head kick and punches round two. Did you catch that? I did. There's a lot of finishes on this card. Every, every fight on the main card was a finish except for the main event. Yeah. Song Yudong, it was a bit back and forth song you don't look real quick and then he landed a head kick and swarmed him and and got him out of there yeah and he's at at bantam right now too so bantam yep, is moved up, yeah. chaos williams got the win tico but that was an interesting fight i caught that fight and what i thought was interesting was uh, miguel beza i believe his name is he almost caught him in a leg lock like a couple times like really close and chaos was just you know he was hitting him in the head but you could see there was a couple times where it was like he had to be really careful and very aware and it was a fight i wasn't sure he was gonna get the win in i mean look back and forth but Chaos caught him, and I know a few people thought this was an early stoppage, but... I didn't see any problem with the stoppage. Chaos, in his post-fight interview, said that he wasn't in any danger. He said, I know it looked like I was, but I wasn't in any danger with those leg locks. He looked he looked in, he was in a lot of danger to me, but he got it done, so... He did say his leg was hurting a little bit, too. Like He said, yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll be ready to fight, maybe not next week. Let this heal yeah. up a little bit, All right. I saw Felicia Spencer got the W, speaking of women's featherweights. TKO, late TKO, I saw that. She looked like she really outclassed her from what I saw. She dominated. Her her clinch in wrestling is next level. And an interesting, in a fight that we thought for sure this guy was going to probably get tapped out, Marcus Rogerio de Lima, he just comes in and TKOs. We're not going to the ground. Maybe he knew that too. Maybe that's why he's like, no, I'm not going to the ground. 32 he- seconds. Because I think we looked at his losses, and he had a lot of submissions losses to key people, yeah. and Rafa was so good on the ground, but no. <laughs> so, smart man. We're not, we're not going to mess around with that. Rafa was not happy with the stoppage. I could have seen it either way, but that what happened was he got clipped, and but he was up against the cage, and he was trying to throw, and then he got clipped again, and he dropped immediately, which he didn't go all the way down. He ended up grabbing the limo around the waist and herb touched delima to stop it and then he let him go and it was a shit show you know herb is good for like one of those a month unfortunately yeah i say i did see a thing and dana used to always praise herb and he had a comment afterward that like he's like herb's got to stop touching people unless this unless he's stopping the fight yeah so so i did see that a bummer now holly rodriguez man this fight was something else to me it was clear that max won but there were a lot of rounds that were really close and i can see why the judges some had it 48 47 and some had it 49 46 and i have to say as great as Holloway looks he always looks 
this was the most damage, like physical damage I've seen Max take in a while. Like even those Volkanovski losses and stuff like that. Like I don't remember Max looking as beat up in the face like this. Yair was landing hard. Like he, he was putting everything between right. behind all of his punches. And I think the leg kicks slowed Max down enough where Yair could hit him. Oh, it was a great fight. I saw people saying that, you know, that was the fight of the year. They must have forgot that we watched Gaethje Chandler, Chandler the weekend before. before. <laughs> so I wonder if the Gaethje Chandler, if that was five rounds, if it wouldn't, if it would even be a competition. I mean, I thought it was a great fight. I was so nervous the entire fight, though, because I love both guys. So that might have been a little bit a little bit biased because i was so nervous but that foot by yair too he has trouble with that sometimes it always seems to take a beating after some of these fights and it definitely looks swelled up i wonder if that i don't know when that injury happened to his foot but he did slow down on kicking max's legs and if he had continued that you know it could have been a different fight so sure now, interesting too people talk about max and max joe uh, i don't say joe max talks about being the best boxer in the UFC and Connor, obviously Twitter, you know, Twitter Connor had said something about that. You know, he absorbs the most punches too. Now numbers MMA, I was watching this in the comments and in Instagram. They, cause somebody asked them to like back this up. Is this true? And they had him, I think at the number two. So Holloway does absorb a lot of punches and Volkanovsky, because that is the, looks like the upcoming fight too. Even Dana, despite Max's two losses, very close losses, wants to make that fight, which is he rare. Only lost, he only lost one of those fights. That was bullshit. I, I understand. I understand. So, but let me, that's my point. Like, so Dana, but Dana normally would not, you know, he's not ready to like sign a fight. But he loves Max, and I think... Who doesn't? Yeah, and this is clearly the fight to make. But I saw Volkanovski, not like Connor, but also kind of talking again. He said Max absorbs a lot of punches. And he says, I'm telling you, Max, at some point. I know I keep saying this because he's got a hell of a chin. But that chin is going to go on you. I kind of think that's a real threat, though, at some point. It's just when. Right, eventually. But he's never been knocked down still. And I think all but – I think he was 4-0 when he joined the UFC. And he got that loss to Dustin. So all of his fights except for four have been in the UFC against top-level talent. So never been knocked down. Most significant strikes in him. Uh, he holds a million records now for, you know, strikes. He's just got that Hawaiian blood, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end up like a BJ Penn and his chin goes and then, you know, he's lo- loses his goddamn mind. But <laughs> I hope not either. I don't, I'm not going to say it's happening until I see him get knocked down at least once. So I don't think Volkanovski is the one to knock him out, although he hits hard. Yeah, Volkanovski loves to use those leg kicks on him. He had some success until I think Holloway kind of like changed up the game plan, if I remember that too. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to their third fight because regardless of what you think about their second fight, these two are the best featherweights in the world, period. Absolutely. And I think you're almost looking at legacy fight with this third fight too because, you know, Max beat, look, Connor, I understand, knocked out Aldo. And to me, Connor. Maybe he could have been the greatest featherweight of all time. And I'm sure he's not crying. He went up to lightweight, he won the title, and he got to box Floyd Mayweather. And even though he's taking losses now, let's not forget, like, Connor had a lot of success. But if you want to look at it objectively, Connor had the potential to be the best featherweight. He beat Max Holloway by decision, a younger Max Holloway. He dusted off Aldo, and then he left the division. That being said, 
since he never kept, and I think you have to keep fighting to a certain point. I, title I, defenses are important. I agree, and I think that's why Aldo to me was the man. And then Max beat him twice convincingly both times. And it wasn't like Aldo didn't get any offense. Both fights were like Aldo came in ready to fight. Max turned it on. Oh, that's what you got? Well, this is what I got. And then finished it each time. And and Max won like nine in a row to get that absolutely title shot too. So it wasn't like he won two and then got a shot. And, you know, he's just a better matchup against Aldo. He, you know, moved his way slowly through the division to get that shot to be the best. So. And, and the clear number three guy right now is Brian Ortega, who Holloway finished. And then, you know, didn't Ortega got improved and he fought Volkanovski. And Volkanovski beat him as well. So to me, uh, not only is this the best, you know, featherweight, like, might see these guys. Like, I think Max very well wins this fight. This could be you best. Might see another five. one. Yeah, yeah he could be five because then if Max wins again, you know, it could be we're going to a fifth one. And it's, yeah. it's, this might be one of the greatest UFC rivalries of all time. But I love it if that happens because that's kind of really cool to think of that. But also at the same time, it's like, Damn, I think Max could go to light heavyweight and stuff too, and have some real money fights. Um, up there. Lightweight, yeah. Lightweight, yeah, not light heavyweight. Yeah. And they, he probably would fight a light heavyweight. Yeah, he was challenging DC at light heavyweight for a while, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, um, I, I, I like that Max broke out some grappling, some wrestling in this fight too. I mean, he's leaned so heavily on just his boxing, and you got to be well rounded, especially if you're going to be going up a weight division at some point. You're not going to be able to just rely on uh, being a specialist so him rounding out his skill set a little bit more fighting intelligently when it was you know clear that he had the advantage in the wrestling i like to see that from max yeah i do too and also to a credit to yair too because as uh much as again as it was nice to see max do that i don't think max would have done that unless you know yair was you know creating some problems not to say that you know I'm not trying to like you know do what they do sometimes and make the narrative all about Yair. I just think it's pretty important to note too that in a division where Holloway, like we're talking about, has dominated and beaten up everybody, like the fact that Yair was able to put that kind of fight on Holloway that says volumes about him. And I, I saw something where I saw the next fight people said to make was Yair versus Cater, and although I think that would be an amazing fight, Yair's gonna need some time off, and. Yair and Brian Ortega ain't too bad either. I know those are two of your favorites again, but my God, I mean, I think they could have an argument right there. Like, you know, those are like beyond Volkanovski and Holly. Like, I think those are your next two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Yair's stock went down at all in this fight. Know. He hadn't fought in two, I think it was two years. So I really think if Yair was just a little bit more active, I know he comes out of every fight with injuries, so it's yeah. hard, but. If he was more active, uh, you know, he might be that much better where he's at that top level. So I, I, I don't know. I, I want to see him against, you know, against the three, four, five guys, you know. I've said it before. I think he has almost this boxing mentality where he just spends a lot of time in the gym and really just gears up for like one or two fights a year, which isn't always helpful. But at the same time, if you look at guys like, you know, Kane Velasquez and stuff like that, and, you know, AKA had produced a talent. They were producing a lot of injuries for a lot of while, too. But they were also successful for the time because they were having these crazy wars in training camp. And sometimes I wonder if Yair is doing that like because he is so susceptible to injuries. But he comes back every time I see him, and he looks so much better than the last time I've seen him. So, 
I don't know. But, yeah, I hope the guy lasts. I hope he can get injuries. Or maybe, you know, I think it was Robbie Lawler. I heard the story about where Robbie Lawler got, like, knocked out really bad, and he took years off of sparring, like, in, you know, the gym for fights. Max doesn't spar anymore. Who's they that? Talked about, Max doesn't do any sparring anymore either, so I wonder if right. that's helped save his chin too. So Absolutely. And the thing that. about that is, too, with Robbie, when he got back to the UFC, he did start spiring again, but he has saved all that damage in his head, and he looked more focused and better than ever, and he went on quite a run. Maybe it's time for Yair to take a bat. You know, if he is doing that, maybe take a little bit, you know, take the foot off the gas in training camps a little bit. What the fuck do I know? I'm not a professional fighter. I'm just saying, you know, I feel a little weird as I say this out loud. But maybe, you know, just based off what we've seen from other fighters, maybe just take it down a notch and then maybe, you know, like, kid, you're fucking talented. Let's see what you can do if your body's rested up going into these fights. Right. I, I heard Bisping talking about Max on his way into the cage about how he hasn't been sparring. And, right. you know, at a certain point when you've been fighting for that long at that level, you, you know what you're going to see in the octagon. So all you need to do is keep your skills sharp and keep your body healthy and, you know, you can achieve what your potential is. If, if you're, you know, going in there having those wars in the gym, you're losing pieces of yourself in there and, you know, your potential is in decline. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought you were going to do a little chief believe or something there when you said that for a second no, no, no. i do love this thing but no <laughs> so let's preview some of this card it's not a stack card or anything like that davy grant adrian Yen- yins i don't know who that is joanne calderwood formerly joanne calderwood she's married now her head coach so yeah. now instead of calderwood it's just joanne wood joanne wood so not uh, a big difference. Not a big difference. Huh? <laughs> Taylor Sotos. Uh, 18 and 1. So I, that's a tough fight for Joanne. Okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that one. She's then. one of my favorites, too. She's uh, she's getting near the end of her career. So if she wants to make a run, I think this is where it's got to be. Yeah, she She's, took a short notice fight one time when she was almost guaranteed a title shot. She was number six, yeah. And I think she was guaranteed a title shot. And she took, took a short notice fight, lost, and unfortunately went down the rankings. I think she's capable of beating anybody but the champion at that division. No. Right, yeah. No one's yeah, beating like, like so many women yeah. in that division who are yeah. talented, but Valentina Shevanko is the champion, and that's unfortunate for them. Yeah. Ronnie Yaya versus Kung Ho Kang? This sounds... I don't know that, gentlemen. Okay. No. 17-8-1. Uh, oh, wow. He's been on quite a few UFC fights. Looks like we've... Maybe he hasn't been active. I do see his first UFC fight was on UFC Fuel. <laughs> so that was 2013. That was a no contest overturn. He lost one. Then he won three in a row, lost one. And now he's on a three-fight win streak. All three of those fights were in 2019, though. So looks like... What weight class is this? Is this light heavyweight or something? Is no, 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 no. Ronnie, yeah, yeah. So bantamweight. Oh, okay. Then this is not the person I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see... Uh, how that fight goes. Interesting. This guy's, you know, had these injuries and coming back. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Ronnie I is a guy kind of, I think has been around for a while. I think ton of jiu-jitsu stuff going on. Yeah. He lost a fight to Joe Soto. I remember him. I think Joe Soto is that guy that took TJ on a short notice fight, like on a day notice or something one time. But yeah, he's got a good amount of wins, but he's another one. It looks like, I mean, he fought in March and then March, but like he's maybe fighting like, 
Like he fought March of this year and then March of last year and then February night. So he's not particularly active. So that's the thing with these guys. Yeah. But the next fight after that, Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady, welterweight. Yeah. On the prelims, Terrence McKinney is fighting. He is, Chiesa used to be his wrestling coach when he was in high school. So that that was a cool story. I saw him post on Twitter about how now, you know, it was a picture of them when he was in high school and and now he's on the same card as Chiesa. So that's pretty cool. Hopefully he gets a win. I think he only has a few fights in the UFC or, yeah, only a couple. Chiesa's looked like a monster at welterweight with the exception he had that loss to Luke in his last fight. Right, yeah. I, that was early, and I, I think he just got caught in a scramble and he got choked. But Sean Brady is undefeated, I think. Right, yeah, he's 14-0. So not uh, doing Kiesa any favors. No, that's, a, that's the first thing that jumped out of my mind was, like, when I saw yeah. this, I'm like, oh, we're not trying to, like, you know. I don't know if this is doing Sean Brady any favors. This is not, no. like, no. the best. It's a good match in terms of, like, you know, okay, we're going to put the best fighters, but it's like no one's getting protected here. I think that... I don't know. I, I think Kiesa probably wins this, you know, by ground and pound, or maybe just grinds out a decision. But I I would assume beating an undefeated fighter would propel him up the rankings to, you know, somewhere near a title shot. It's very jammed up at welterweight up at the top, but right. I think he was on a good streak. He had that loss to Luke. This could put him back up there. They, you know, you can show that that was just a momentary mistake or fluke or whatever. So, I'm hoping I'm pulling for Kiesa. These are the type of guys I'd like to see sometimes fight a Nate Diaz. I'd like to see Nate doesn't like to take those fights though for good reason. You know, Nate wants like big money fights and fights that are going to draw attention. But sometimes I wish like, ah oh, man, like let's give one of these guys a shot at somebody with some name value here. Right, Caitlin Vera, Misha Tate. Caitlin Vera is one of those girls to me. It's like she, I always see her name at the top. Like we said, she has a win over Kat Sagano. She's got, I think she's beaten Sahara Eubanks and stuff like that. She's beaten some notable names. But man, Misha Tate's a legend. This is a this is a huge fight for her. Both girls have lost two out of the last three fights, but Misha's is dating back to 2016. Right. So I wonder if I, the real factor is what Misha are we going to get? Okay, she beat Renell, who is was 40 or older she might have been in her 40s so that's not a very good measuring stick or sample size of where misha's at it was a good warm-up fight so if she can take care of ketlin who's a you know a contender but has struggled recently yeah she's gonna be put right up there against nunez you know okay so i looked at yeah and if you look at caitlin's last fight she lost the decision to uh yana kunishkaya Sky, it was a catch weight because Vera missed weight too, and it's kind of funny because that's what I was when I see inconsistency like this at this level. Like, oh wow, she's beat some people, and in results, I always wonder if it's weight factor, you know, yeah. like like that could make you. Yeah, bad weight cut is tough to overcome. Yeah, so that, that was my first mind, is the first thing to hit my mind, and I look at, it, I go, oh, missed missed weight yeah. in the last fight. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I I know. I guess like I said, it's not a really stack card. I guess uh, we'll make a couple picks here uh, just on the main the co. Like you, I'm going to go with Michael Chiesa just because he's experienced. He's been around. And Sean Brady, 14-0 brother. I saw you beat Jake Matthews in your last fight. That's cool. This is a different level. So you're yeah. going to have to show me a little more. And Verrett, just a little inconsistent for my liking. Yeah, we don't know. Tate's been away, but she 
I thought she looked decent in the last fight against obviously an older opponent, but based off of Tate's legacy and the inconsistency of Vera, I'm going to go with Tate for now. I'll say, ooh, you know, I don't know why. Like, like mentally, if I'm going to make this pick, a smart thing would be, well, it's a decision. We don't know enough. But, man, I know Tate likes to go go at it. And I'm going to say she gets a finish. I'm going to say uh, round three. I'll even go as far as say ground and pound, TKO. Yeah, I'm going with Kiesa. I think he either submits him or ground and pounds him early, or we get a you know grappling decision that's kind of boring. Okay. And then I, I'm also going to go with Tate, but I think it'll definitely be a decision. Okay. Now, one final question before we get out of here. Have you ever seen this heavyweight boxing now? Have you ever seen the fight Ron Lyles versus George Foreman? I have not. Well, you heard about it? No, I have not. That's okay. That's all right. I was hoping you'd say that. So check that out if you get Ron a chance. Ron Lyles. All right. Yeah, because I I did get a heavyweight boxing list from somebody already that we know, mutual friend, and he had that fight on there. And I saw it as a kid. It was a rerun because I'm not even that old. But it was on ABC, Wide World of Sports. This was Foreman originally in his original run, not when mm-hmm. he came back. And they just – it's two classic heavyweight boxers. I want to say the fight goes five, six rounds. And they just literally take turns knocking each other down <laughs> around. Like Foreman is getting knocked around and then coming back. It's ridiculous. And plan on watching it at some point this week before we uh, to check it out. Yeah, I think it's to be a homework assignment for both of us just to see mm-hmm. what we think. Because I haven't seen it in years, but someone had mentioned it, and I'm like, all right, I'll have to watch that again. So, cool. all right, I think that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week talking top five boxing heavyweights and previewing some more awesome cards in December. Actually, why don't you uh, hit us with that preview? One right. Time. So, December 4th, we're going to preview USC Fight Night Aldo versus Font, fire card. Um, and then uh, 12-11, we're going to preview the UFC pay-per-view 269, Oliveira versus Poirier. And then 12-18, we're going to preview Black Beast versus the older Dawkus, Chris Dawkus. All right, there you go, folks. And uh, so in the meantime, enjoy the fights. And thanks again. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 